welcome. I'm Laura Lee Binstock, and you're listening to a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. As women in male-dominated professions, many are still fighting sexual harassment and fighting for equal pay and respect in the workplace. In the U.S. military, according to the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, an increasing number of women are serving and are the fastest growing group of veterans. Women veterans were nearly 10% of the total veteran population in 2015, which represents about 2 million women. Estimates suggest this percentage will increase to about 16% in 2040. We know that military men and women in combat face a host of mental health challenges, but today I want to focus on the stressors and trauma women are facing in the military. Joining me today is Annette Wittenberger, retired U.S. major, mental health advocate and author, and she is also the host of the Truths We Hide podcast. Annette, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Aurelie. It's, it's absolutely an honor to be here. Thank you. Well, it's an honor for me to be speaking with you and thank you so much for everything you do and everything you've done. Um, you know, you are the definition of a trauma survivor thriver. And I know that you've dealt with a number of traumas in your life, not just in the military. Would you mind telling me a little bit about your story? Yes, absolutely. So like you said, I did um, go through a lot of stuff while in the military, but I think, you know, I, I made it through all that. But I think the thing that really opened up my eyes to appreciate what I have in life is uh, the car accident I was in with my daughter two years ago. I was taking her to college. It was her first semester and we were hit head on and our car flipped over five times and you know, everything on my left side was broken. I, multiple surgeries, she missed her first semester. It just, all of that. And, and, you know, of course nobody expects it, but I, you know, as I'm sitting in the hospital and the doctors and nurses and everybody's telling me, oh my gosh, God has a plan for you. I was sitting there. I didn't want to hear that because it almost made me angry. Like why, why tell me all this stuff? I was just thinking that I was doing good. I was just trying to, you know, get through my own self-healing journey, but I really wasn't in the place that I thought I needed to be until that. And, you know, I, I just, it, it was, it was so hard. It, it was, it was so, so hard. And I think that's when I got the wake up call that I have survived a lot, but I'm still here. And so now what am I going to do with that? And I think that's what I needed to hear is what am I going to do with all that crap that I had gone through? And that's where my second journey began. Wow. Did you, how long did it take you to realize, you know, what they were saying was actually true that you, you have a purpose for surviving so much? So I was in the hospital five weeks and I came home and, you know, still recovery, still physical therapy. So not for, you know, not till months after where I was really in the place where I had to understand that I, you know, I went from a walker to a wheelchair to a cane. And then now I'm able to do CrossFit. It's like, wow, just, just it you know two years later and now i'm like jesus seriously i need to stop moping <laughs> that's incredible 
Oh just, my gosh. I, yeah, I just, so it, it, it took me a while. It really did. Wow. Well, good for you. And I'm, I'm saying you really found your purpose and I, I, oh, that makes me feel so good. Um, okay. Well, you know, going back, what made you join the military? I, I actually had a friend in, in high school. I went to an all-girl Catholic high school, and I think in the class of 90-something, there was three of us that were interested in the military, and one, she enlisted, and I thought she was such a badass. I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> not, this is not heard of in our school. And so, you know, I, I had the recruiter at the house. I was about to sign the paperwork, but then I chickened out. I was almost 18 or maybe just turned 18 and I chickened out. So I was mad at myself and I did my community college time and then I went to university and I made sure that they had an ROTC program. I was like, I am going to do this some way. I don't know how. And so I did my training and, you know, I just, I don't know, something inside of me was like, I need to do this to maybe prove something to myself because my parents, you know, my dad never he was like, no, women don't join the military. That's not what they do. And I was like, I'm going to do it. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm Peruvian. So our Hispanic family is very, we're very prideful, very, very stubborn. And I, I wanted to, I wanted to prove it that I could. And I, that's, you know, I just, I've always respected the military and something just told me to do it. Wow. Never, I didn't think I would last that long though. So that was, that was huge. Well, that's pretty badass. I would say you're pretty badass. <laughs> well, what stressors do you, did you face as a woman in the military and what other women that you've seen face in the military? I, the, one of the things was having a family. I mean, I, you know, I, it, it's hard to determine when is the right time. Um, I didn't plan for it, but I did have my daughter at 25. So I had just been in the military for uh, just, gosh, it was a year or so. And I then I had my son at 28. And those two, although they were a blessing, it was very difficult because I was new. I was in a different country. Um, I didn't know you know, I didn't know how I was going to do it. It's just kind of those, one of those things where you just do it. You don't, there's really no other way around it. You can't say, can I, I, I take that back. I could have probably gotten out, but that was my job. That was my lifestyle and I didn't want to quit. So I made it work, but it was hard because my husband was in too. So dual military, we're both trying to, you know, progress in our career, but we also had two kids. So whose turn was it? Who's going to watch the kids? And it almost just fell on me because that's just what we did. I would yeah. take it. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Um, I know that something that a lot of military women deal with is military sexual trauma. Um, did you ever encounter that in the military and what does that actually encompass? So for, yes. So it was right before I even joined the military for me. I, I was, I was already about to, you know, I already did the training and I was about to get commissioned and all that. And 
uh, gosh, 20 years ago, it wasn't, it wasn't really talked about, you know, it, it happened and then it happened again. <laughs> and it was, I guess, because of the person that was involved, he was senior ranking and, uh, you know, I, we didn't really push through with it because of his status. It was just so weird. It was just all these things. And I almost just said, you know what? Forget it. I'm about to graduate college. I just, I just want to go. But, you know, and then we're taught to try to tough it out and be strong and don't shed any tears and all that. So I suppressed all that. And, you know, now, of course, we see all these things and I'm thinking, man, it wasn't like this 20 years ago. We didn't, we just didn't talk about it. We didn't fight it. We didn't make it a bigger deal than what it should have been. And it's unfortunate. Do you feel like that being said, do you think the progress that you're seeing is Are you are you happy with the progress that you're seeing, or do you want to? Do you feel like we need to see more? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I I do think that we need to see more. I know that because I was in a leadership role and I had to, you know, I saw things that had happened. And the leadership does try really hard to get the person, you know, the accuser and the accused try to find justice and it's, it's hard. Um, I do feel that we need to speak up more for those that feel like they can't because if we don't, Oh, this is, it's, it's touchy. It's. And you don't have, if, if you. No, it, it's it, because I've seen both sides. So it's, it's difficult. I just feel like we need to keep using our voices. Don't ever stop. Don't ever let somebody make you feel like you're less than a person. Don't make anybody feel that, you know, even though they try to threaten you, I know it's easier said than done, but I think we need to start learning to not let that get in the way. Like if something happened to you, then you use your voice. You say something about it, no matter what they say. And, and I think that's the thing that we need to keep keep trying to get across. But it, it, it's because it's so hard. These leaders, whoever it is that is doing these things, they make it, they make it to where if you say something, you're going to get in trouble. And, and it's so, it's just so hard. Uh, this whole thing, it's, it's very difficult. And I think that's why it's so important for, for us to tell these, and it's not just women, it's men and women, tell them to keep fighting, keep using your voice, keep fighting for what you believe in and get the justice that you need to get done because it's, it's, it's so crazy, you know, yeah. there's so much going on out there and I think they're just afraid. Yeah. And I feel like with anybody trying to report, I mean, it's, it's so hard to do that. Um, 
And especially in that kind of environment, I would assume that that would be even harder to um, kind of get through. But I guess one great thing to think about is that, yes, this happened to you. And yes, you should get the justice you deserve. But you also don't want it to happen to other people, I feel like. And I know that sounds that sounds kind of crazy, but I feel like especially for me, it was easier for me to think, I don't want this to happen to other people rather than I need to protect myself. I thought in my head, I can just sweep it under the rug. Everything's going to be fine. It's not going to be fine. <laughs> it will come out. That is trauma. But, um, but if, even if you need to tell yourself, because it's true, the more people speak out, the more the less it will happen, I feel, because it'll be on people's radar. And, and I think that's just as important um, as, as, as taking care of yourself as well. Right. Um, were you aware of these stressors go, before going into the military, like knowing that there was, I guess, as a woman in the, in, in the military in such a male-dominated... Uh, profession did you think when you went in there were you expecting the I guess the not necessarily inequality but maybe that's what I'm saying did you expect that did you expect um, that you would be fighting for your own as a woman as a mother for your own personal needs you know I really I really didn't think it was going to be as difficult as it was. I knew with the training that I did beforehand that it was, it was going to be hard just physically, mentally, I just to try to make it through. But I didn't realize all the other things that came with it. I had no idea because no one really told me. And I guess I never did my research or I didn't, I just wanted to be part of something and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to go after this, this new journey. I, I didn't, I didn't realize what it was going to entail at all. I guess I was just naive. I yeah. Yeah. I feel like I would have been like, oh, I can deal with it. But it's, I feel like going into certain things, you think you can handle it, but when it actually happens, you, it makes you stronger. Yeah. Um, but you do have to go through a lot of crap. Um, before you get there. Um, And you said you became a mother in the military. What difficulty did you experience? Did you see, I know that you worked with your husband, just made it work, but was there a point where it was looked down, you felt like you were looked down upon because you were a mother? I'm not sure if I was looked down (laughs) looked down upon because I was a mom I think being able to juggle it all because I always felt like I had an excuse like I need to go pick up my daughter by five because the daycare is going to close or I need to put her in bed or just all these little things that I started to feel guilty for those reasons but I mean they were real valid reasons you know and as the kids got older 
it was the same feeling. It was like, well, I need to get, I need to make sure that they're picked up and they're fed. And then I started to see, you know, so many of my friends were getting au pairs or nannies. And I was like, I'm not going to have, I don't want that. No one's going to raise my kids. I can do it all. <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know, and then I, I got a job to where I couldn't do it all. And it was, you know, it was stated, you need to figure it out. And I was like, well, shit. I need to figure it out for real this time before I was able to do it. And I got lucky because I met people or, you know, had friends or, or whatever. But this time I had to hire a nanny and I was like devastated because I wasn't able to be there like I used to be. And I just felt bad. And, you know, but there were times where they i mean they basically said you need you need to figure it out this you this is part of the the agreement or whatever that you were going to have a family care plan and you can't always use the excuse of the kids and i was like oh my god this is what is happening and i i just never realized how difficult it was going to be do you feel like your the expectations as a mom was different for you than let's say a dad you know, I, I yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest here. Yes. <laughs> I, it, it was always, I guess, kind of assumed that I was the mom so I can get out of things. Um, you know, when he had different roles and I did it, he couldn't, he couldn't leave work early. I was like, there's no way. And I was like, well, what? If, I can't either. So, I mean, something's got to give. And I just, you know, I just gave in and I ended up just doing it because that was just what we do. And I, yeah, I mean, sometimes I, I, I do feel like it was, it was the mom thing. That's, yeah. We always made it happen somehow. Yeah. It's, it's funny because my children, my children also feel that way that whenever dad is on a phone call, we can't bother dad. Oh no, dad's on a phone call. But if I'm on a phone call, they're like, but, but you can talk to us. You're the one who does all of this stuff. So even they have expectations, which I'd like to, and I, and I've been recently asking them, why is it that your dad gets to get quiet when he's on a phone call, but then, and I'm recording stuff. So it's like, you know, it's, 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 it's funny how the burden is put on the women for childcare. And I think we also are maternal in that we are better at it. <laughs> you know, we, for some, some reason we're able to juggle it all. I, and <laughs> I don't know. I guess it is that, that maternal thing that we have. Um, you know, over and over again, we see military men and women coming out of the military suffering from PTSD. Um, do you believe men and women struggle with the same symptoms? I think we handle it differently. I think we might have similar symptoms, but because men I've seen and I've spoken to, so many men have felt like they had to be the strong one that when they when they get out, it's like 
they don't know how to be strong anymore because they're not in that environment. They're out and they're alone and they don't have their people with them. So I think they handle it so much differently. I, I just, so to answer your question, th I think there are similar symptoms. Mm -hmm. Similar symptoms, just carrying it differently. Um, I know that men typically when they're sad, it can come out as anger or anxious can come out. And so I guess some people would say they, they believe that men or pe people with PTSD coming from the military may be more aggressive when it's, it's really men just not being able to convey their emotions yes. correctly. Yes, no, that that makes sense, and and I and I've seen some of that, and I even had some anger. I would I would lash out for no reason, and my road rage was terrible, and yeah, it was just it was not it wasn't pretty at all. Oh, I get it. It's trauma. That's how trauma. I mean, even I lashed out, and you know, sometimes when I would lash out, people would be like, "Who is that?" <laughs> um, you're like a different person. Um, do you, you know, what are, what are some of the differences men and women experience in regard to trauma in the military? Um, I know obviously being a mother, um, I'm assuming, um, military sexual trauma can go both, obviously go both ways, but maybe is not as prevalent. Um, Yeah. So, I'm sorry, what, so your, what was your question? So I was just uh, wondering, like, what are some of the differences men and women experience in regards to trauma in the military? Do you, would you say that? Um, some of the differences. Are women, are women, were you ever put in, um, like, combat or anything like that? I was not in combat i mean i did go on convoys mm -hmm. and so those you know those I, I know that my feelings towards it was different than than a male's because they were like pumped to go and that's just what they've been waiting for and and for us females you're it was like a terrifying experience because you don't know what to expect so i guess it's just you know, we, we just, we see things differently and I think that we react to it differently, but we both feel a sense of like we lost our identity. Um, we feel like a failure at some point because we didn't react the way that we should have or that we thought we should have. We're both supposed to be that tough person, especially as a male and as a female it's almost like you have to prove yourself so you try and be tough and it just you know it completely it, it can paralyze you because it once you lose that then it's like then who am i without it and so it's very it's overwhelming it's all the emotions and confusion mm. well thank you for answering that um one study from the VA concluded that the rate of suicide is higher among women who report having MST or military sexual trauma 
during military service when compared to women who have not experienced MST or at least reported being victimized. You mentioned that um, you experienced sexual trauma in, you know, in service, or was that before or both? Right before it was like in transition. In transition. What did that do to your mental health? I guess I was just confused because I was shocked that it even happened from a person that I had trusted and or from two two people that I that I had trusted that I thought were would never have done such a thing so it's it was confusion it was I I'm shock I guess and it was almost like well I can't let this stop me from joining because I don't want to be seen as a quitter so then you go, th- you just keep doing it. You keep going day to day and, but it almost like heightens your awareness throughout because I know that my relationships later on were very sketchy. It's like, I didn't know who to trust. I didn't know who to be around. I didn't know who to believe and, you know, just do what they ask. And it was just really, really something I, probably wish I wouldn't have done before but I mean that's all I know that's all I knew and you know it's hard because then you see the new the new soldiers come in and it's almost like you want to take them and say just just you know be careful and but you can't you know I mean because you don't want to it's just so weird it's I didn't have a mentor back then to guide me along the way, really. It was, I just went with it. Do they have mentors? Is that something you think they should have? Like someone who's kind of in the same position coming in? Like Now it's almost like, it's not really like a mentor. It's you know, the person that you're going to fill in for, you're taking their slot. So you guys, you kind of form this friendship because you're trying to show them the ropes. But, you know, I didn't, I, I started to just find the mentors that I would look up to that I wanted to be like, I wasn't, I didn't really have one specific person. So I, I, I do think there should be because, you know, there's so many of us out there that are just doing whatever. We don't know any better. So, and it's difficult because you're in this whole new environment. So mentors, just like now you can get a mentor, you know, doing other, any other thing. I think in the military, especially it's, it's crucial to have one. Because mm-hmm. it's a different world. Hold it yeah. There. Yeah, I feel like that could have been very helpful and probably, and obviously, like you said, you don't want to like scare someone and say, this is what to, but definitely have them on alert. Um, Do you think if someone told you that, that would have been helpful for you? Or is it just, it's difficult, I know, for people to, I know that a lot of predators or people who have been, traumatized they are traumatized by someone that they know sexual trauma is typically um the abuser is typically someone you know and you trust and do you think if you did have a mentor or someone who told you the things that you probably wanted to tell someone um a a new soldier coming in that that would have helped 
I I want to say it, it it probably could have helped, but then I think it could have just terrified me. So I'm not sure. Yeah. Been, but it's almost like now, you know, when my daughter was talking about, she's 20 now, but when she was talking about the possibility of, of the military, you know, her dad and I were both were like, well, you should do this and you should do that. So it's like, because we wanted to prepare her because of everything that was happening. So, you know, to have somebody to just, you know, to at least tell you, you can do this, just keep your eyes open because these things happen. That's what I wish I could have had, you know, not someone to scare me out of it, but to tell me, you know, you can, you can do this, you can make it through, but just here are some things that you need to be cautious of. I think it, it's all about wording, right? It's all about the way you say it. So I just, because <laughs> even now if people ask me, you know, if I can do it, you can do it. The, the military is not a terrible thing. You can make it through. You just, there's just some things that, I mean, you see it on the news, so it's not like you're oblivious. You just need to use your voice, keep your eyes open. That's all, and you can make it. Yeah. Um, because of these stressors, many women who, and men who return from, you know, military service have trouble transitioning to civilian life. Um well, most readjust after a, a period of time, a significant minority, you know, they'll go on to develop conditions like PTSD. Are there programs um, for retired military men and women that they're required to go through to kind of transition into civilian life? I mean, we did go through a program, a transition assistance program, um, but you know, it's, it's difficult because they, they do try to prepare you as far as resumes and finding the job that you want and salary negotiation and what to wear, but they don't prepare you for the mental aspect. And I uh. think that's what we really need to incorporate somehow because mentally, you know, some of us were, you know, all about, I can't wait to get the hell out of here. I can't wait to get out. And then there's some of us who was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. And this is just, and I haven't even worked through the issues that I've been having. So you're out and you're completely lost. And, and I think that's what really gets us is that the mental aspect that nobody really prepared us for. And so that's where we feel like we lost our identity and, you know, we're like, we're nothing without that uniform. And even though that piece of paper shouldn't define you, it really did. And, you know, all these, all these little things that aren't, aren't brought up. And I keep trying to push that is, yes, thank you for that week long transition program, but <laughs> really didn't do anything for me. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I can only assume that, Mentally, if you're not mentally prepared to transition into civilian life, because it is a very different life, that all the other things that they're, all the other great information that they're giving you is, is kind of useless unless you're mentally prepared to take it all in. Um, and yeah, that, that, that is, I was, yeah, I was wondering that because I feel like it's the transition um, for people. 
that will get them mentally. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you believe that Veterans Affairs adequately uh, treats PTSD or any sort of mental health related um, things? Unfortunately, I it varies by location is what I've learned. Um, there are some VAs out there that have been great and there are some VAs out there that are not. And it has affected many of my former soldiers and my friends, and it's just very disheartening. So I think as a whole, they need to fix a lot of things. They could be doing better because it's just been very difficult for people to seek the help they need. And it's not always about a medication. It's so much more. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's very sad for me to see because I can't fix it. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. So it, it needs to get better. What do you think they should be doing to make it better? I think they really need to dig into the problem, you know, just because someone may look like everything's great. They have a job they look clean cut you don't know what they're going through at home you know they're just trying to survive so they are they do have a job because they still have a family and they do look like they're clean cut because that's just their that's just the way they do things but mentally they're they're suffering and unfortunately that's what people see is well you look good you have a job, so you're fine. Yeah. No, I'm not. And someone needs to listen. And that's not that's not what is happening. Wow. Yes, I I absolutely agree. Because um, everything could look fine on the outside, and that's what the military prepared you for. Like you were saying in that transition program, how to dress nice and have your resume. And but you know, there's a there's a lot that goes on. Um, that people can't see. And I think that is, that's where things need to change. And I, I, I love that you said, said that. Um, so before we wrap up this interview, I was just wondering if there is anything else that you would like to share. I really, you know, it, it's, it, it really hurts my heart to see all these people suffering. And I, and I really just want to tell people that it, it is okay to not be okay. Um, but remember to give yourself grace, remember to, you know, just keep using your voice to get your story told and to get your message out there because it's, we need more people like that. There's so many of us who don't know how to use our voice to stand up for ourselves. So we need more people to, to do that for them. And so you guys can make it. I really believe in it. It's just, it'll take time, but I'm, you know, I'm always here and I always give out my number or my email for people to reach out to because I know how it is and you're not alone. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Annette. I, I'm so grateful to have you on. Thank you. To learn more about her, please visit my website at tstpodcast.com under 
featured guests. That's the letter A, tstpodcast.com. Also, please visit my Patreon community for your chance to be a part of a safe community to be your most authentic self with full access to me. It's not a substitute for therapy, but an extra resource. And if you or someone you know is struggling with mental health, please text HOME to 741-741. I'm Lori Lee Benstock, and you've been listening to a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. Take care. Oh,